and welcome to the Talking Ball podcast brought to you by HP Polly. I'm Nicola Hume. I'm your host. And on this show, we talk all things Oracle Red Bull Racing from right here in the factory in Milton Keynes. We have a very good guest with us today. So joining us on today's show, we have the team's chief technology officer, Adrian Newey. Hello, how are you doing? How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Good. You have a nice break? Did actually, yes. We escaped down to Cape Town, so it was really nice. Very nice. Get somewhere warm. Very nice. Well, we're going to talk to you about something a little bit different today, because we're going to talk about quite a big passion project for you, which is the RB17. And I can't wait to hear all about it because Christian Horner has said, he announced a couple of weeks ago, that it's uh, the team's first ever hypercar designed by yourself. So where did it all begin? How long ago did this pop up into your head to design this car? (laughs) I guess in some ways the embryo was um, a PlayStation back in 2010 approached me and said, would I be interested in designing a sort of no regulation ultimate performance PlayStation. car? Yeah, PlayStation. Yeah. As in the gaming? As in Sony PlayStation, exactly. Right. So um, I thought it was, you know, it was Christmas. The snow wasn't very good when I was skiing. So spent a couple of days while it snowed in sketching a car, which became the PlayStation X1. Um, and I really enjoyed doing it, actually. So, and that was kind of a, a no rules, you know, fill your boots, put everything in it type car. Um, We then, of course, got into bed with Aston Martin to do the Valkyrie. um, And that was the embryonic stages of Red Bull advanced technology. So kind of, you know, it was a great project. We all enjoyed it. But we were working with a partner, which, you know, I think can bring its frustrations. Um, So I think we all collectively thought it would be great to do our own car and and be a, a pure Red Bull. And that's really what this is, our our first all Red Bull hypercar. It's um, very much aimed at kind of trying to be the best at everything, um, track-focused. Um, no, really exciting project. I mean, it, it, it sounds incredible, and I can't wait to see it in the flesh because I'm sure it's going to be an absolute beauty from the things that you've created before. But how on earth do you approach a hypercar compared to approaching an F1 car? Because everyone knows that you are the guy that made the legendary RB19, designed it, and now you've created this. So how do you approach that differently to F1? In many ways, the design philosophy is is, is very similar. The approach in terms of how we do our research, our design, manufacture, um, developments, it's the process is the same. Um, it's just applied differently, of course. So in the case of this, we don't have Formula One regulations to restrict us, but we do have, of course, all this, the normal physical constraints. We've making it a two-seater, so you've got to package two people in reasonable comfort. Um, reasonable comfort. <laughs> well, we, we've given us a bit more space than, than um, interior-wise than, than Valkyrie had just to make us a little bit more comfortable. Certainly also for tall people, it's, it's got a lot more legroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's the same philosophy. It's, it's just kind of we can things that we're not allowed to do in Formula 1, we can do on this. How excited are you to, to have this thing that you've created head out into the big wide world? This must be quite a special moment for you. It is. I mean, I think... Um, yeah, obviously the the first real stage will be when people see um, photographs of the model that we, we've made a full scale model, 
um, which we're not releasing just yet, but we will do at some point in the summer. Yeah. Um, but the specification is now fixed. We've we've done all our um, evaluation work. So we're now actually issuing drawings, parts are in manufacture, parts are being rig tested. So it's, it's an original, reasonable state of advancement. So I think one of your very first questions is when did it all start? And it actually started um, uh, for me over the Christmas break at the end of 2020 um, oh. when I kind of, again, in between Christmas and New Year, got a little bit bored and started started drawing it out. <laughs> but you literally have like a week, two weeks off over Christmas and New Year. It's supposed to be downtime. I know, just... I know. It's just, uh, I guess it's a sort of, as you said, it's a passion project. Yeah. It's almost, it's not a hobby, of course, it's much more than that, but it's it starts out as a passion project and then it evolves into a part of my mainstream mainstream activities. So when you're chilling at home over Christmas and everyone else is eating cheese and watching the telly, you're you're sat down. I was that particular year. I don't do it every year. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah. So 2020. So we're now at the start of 2024. Yeah. So the design is now complete, but it's still going to be a couple of years until it goes out into the public. Uh, so right? we, as, as mentioned, we've got parts going into manufacture now. We will do a lot of rig testing through 2025. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry, it's 2024 this year. Um, leaping ahead of myself, and then and then uh, 25, we will be out and running on track, um, and then so we'll use 25 as the on-track development year, and then 26, we'll we'll start to manufacture the um, the actual car. So, is it all being manufactured here at the factory? Or are you outsourcing? We're some of this is made here. Um, key components are made here. Uh, those parts that are made out generally, we're using the same suppliers as we do in Formula One. So like approaching this, did you kind of focus on aerodynamics first or the engine first? Try to always take a holistic approach. Right. So the first thing is, okay, what do we want this car to be? And what we decided was, first of all, it has to be, it has to look stunning. Yes. Obviously, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So I think it looks good. I hope other people do, but that would be... The, the proof of the pudding will be when we, we show that yeah. that model. Um, so it has to look good. It has to look like an art piece. So I think these sorts of cars should be viewed as pieces of art. Yes. Um, it has to be emotive, which also includes sound. So um, we decided on a normally aspirated engine uh, for that reason. So it will be a very high revving V10, um, 15,000 RPM rev limit, and... Uh, Prodigious, prodigious amount of power. Um, so that's the sort of oral aspect, which I think is very important. Oh, that's what's going to start turning heads, so yeah. you'll be able to hear it before you see it. Well, I, we all remember, well, not all of us, but some of us remember the sort of high-revving V10s of, of the sort of um, late well, mid-90s, going mm. to late 90s. And they sounded amazing. So wanted to rekindle and recapture that because I think when you hear those cars going around, even if it's a car on its own going around a test track, it, it you makes you feel it. You feel it. You feel yeah. the power. You, it makes your hairs tingle. Yeah. So that's all part of this experience. Yeah. Um, we want, we wanted to focus on track performance in particular. So it, it will be a two seater um, so that the owner can, take a, a friend, his his partner, whoever, a coach, 
less is, you know, it gives the flexibility then to as to how you use it. Because I think you, know, you want to enjoy this with other people, yeah. not simply on your own. Um, this offers that. Um, we wanted it to be, despite its performance, we wanted it to be a car that's not intimidating to drive. Um, I think just like a, if you those who ride motorbikes, then jumping on a mod, modern superbike, you you kind of you need to have your wits about you. There's a little tingle of excitement and perhaps nervousness before you jump on it, and and wanted this to be the same that you know there's a it's a trepidation almost because it's because it's so fast, um, but we don't want it to be intimidating. So we spent a lot of time thinking about the systems um, and how we can make it user-friendly to a, a wide variety of driver abilities and, and, and experience. Well, because normally, I mean, like I've seen so many videos of someone just buying a supercar and then immediately having a bit of a nightmare with it because they don't know how to drive yeah. it. So would this be the kind of car that you would need training to be able to drive it? I think if, if you don't have much track experience, then... Um, Training is definitely a good idea, and that will be part of the package that we offer is is um, for purchasers to come and use our simulators here ah. at Red Bull um, to gain experience of how to drive it, how to use it, what the functions are, how those functions affect the behavior of the car. So, and I think that for me is is part of the excitement or the development of it that. Now, if you are taking up a new sport, let's say you've never play, ever played golf and you decide to take up golf or tennis, it doesn't matter, then, of course, you can pick up a tennis racket or a golf stick and you can, you can hit the ball. Yeah. But you won't hit it very well to start with. And then the, the excitement really becomes in making yourself better at it. So through a combination of practice and coaching, um, you know, and developing yourself, that becomes all part of the cycle of enjoyment and satisfaction that you get from this. And and this is very much that same model that we will, depending on what the customer wants, we will provide the training on the simulators, et cetera. Uh, because it's a two-seater, if they wish to have coaches in the passenger seat, then of course we can arrange that. So, and then the car, as I say, will have a huge amount of adaptability. So, as your ability develops, um, you can keep changing the car to to, to go with it, to go faster. <laughs> Ultimately, to go faster. Exactly. I mean, this yeah, this this sounds like the the kind of car that you've built with uh, emotion first. I'm yes, going to go very with. much so. Very yeah, much, very much so. I yeah. mean, it's it's ultimate. You know, we the challenge we've set us ourselves is is that adaptability of the car. But then ultimately, um, the car, if driven by a professional driver, is capable of Formula One lap times. I mean, that would yeah. be epic, wouldn't it? Yeah. yeah. So, which, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's kind of mind blowing in a way that this car, which is kind of a, a two seater, can can produce that sort of performance, and and that's really been achieved by the usual key parameters of. Um, focusing on weight, so it'll be less than 900 kilos, um, so much lighter than any normal road car yeah. or, or, or track car. Um, but at the same time, it will have a 1,000 horsepower 
<laughs> V10. Normally aspirated, as I mentioned. So it'll sound awesome. But we then have a 200 horsepower electric motor, and, and that fulfills a variety of functions. Obviously, it's an extra 200 horsepower, but it's also smooths out the torque, smooths out the gear change, um, provides reverse gear, first gear. You can move off starter motor, all, all, the, all the usual sort of multifunctions. Um, it will have active suspension, which it needs to have because the downforce we're producing to achieve those lap times is immense. Yeah. Um, as, a, as, a, as a number, then it produces, its downforce is capped at 1.7 tonnes. Um, so downforce is capped at almost twice its weight. And that's simply because otherwise they overload the tyres. Right. Um, but it actually gets to that figure at about 150 miles an hour. So after that, it, it starts to bleed off. Okay. Um, it can actually, it produces its own downforce, its its own weight in downforce by 120 miles an hour. So it's, um, and, and its efficiency is very high as well. So is it? it in terms of what's called <laughs> lift to drag or downforce to drag more strictly, um, then there's a ratio of an aircraft lift to drag or where the, the lift the aircraft gives versus the drag it creates yeah. gives that ratio. And the same for a, a bird, a bird of prey, say. We are getting into that territory, which is, I think, probably wow. unheard of for a, yeah. for a road car, or not a road car, but a, a four-wheel car, to be up to those sorts of levels of efficiency. So we're not, ta- we're not talking road car at all? No, we're talking a track car. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, it. you don't want to pop to Tesco or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so it's incredibly aerodynamically efficient, you know, and, and to achieve that, we've, we've pulled all the levers. So it has a blown diffuser. Um, active suspension to which is has two function or multi-function again the the purpose of the active suspension it's to to give a very stable aerodynamic platform whilst maintaining reasonably sensible spring rates so that you don't get thrown from bump to bump like a not nearly as stiff as a current formula one car or an lmp car Um, so relatively sort of compliant and it also offers the ability to tune the car both aerodynamically by adjusting the ride heights and also in terms of how you change what we call the mechanical balance which is the balance of grip between the front axle and the rear axle so you can in that set in that way make it a car that as i mentioned earlier is suitable for a wide range of driver um, technique styles abilities yeah so do you have one yourself? Because so I was told in total there's going to be 50 that's going that's to be right. up for sale. Yeah. So is it technically 49 because you're going to claim one yourself? Uh, I may well do. Have you got a little cheeky staff discount on the car that you designed? <laughs> I'll have to negotiate on that one. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so there was a really nice quote, right, that was uh, Christian Horner has described it as Adrian Newey unleashed, which I really, really like. Is there certain certain essences of Adrian in there? that you've added in that you like, I would like that. So I'm going to put that in there. Well, I mean, I think that's, you know, then you get into this fine line between um, what is engineering? Is it science, maths, or is it art and creativity? And the truth, of course, is it's always a blend. Mm. Um, But let's say if, you know, a designer is a very broad term, covers anything from what we're doing to to 
um, say a furniture designer, where yes, of course, you know, you want something that's comfortable to sit on and in this case swivels around yeah. when, when you don't want it to. <laughs> um, but it, it, you know, fulfilling the function is relatively, from an engineering point of view, quite easy. The rest is just giving it the artistic side. To answer your question, then Formula One is all about the stopwatch. Mm. That's that's the only master you have. Reliable, aside from reliability, of course, it's the stopwatch. This is the stopwatch because we've given ourselves the target of being capable of up to Formula One lap times. Then, yes, we have to co- focus on, on the stopwatch. Um, we have to focus on the engineering because it's also the customer experience, we've got to kind of blend that with the the more artistic, uh, I don't know what the adjective is, it's trying to embrace all the things that hopefully people will love about experiencing it and driving it. So when it comes to like the, the, the customer experience, if someone, if me, if I had the money, I could come along and go, right, I would like to purchase one of these. How would I go about that and what's the process of it? Well, the, pr- the process is simple in terms of um, we must have an email address, I'm sure. Yes. Um, uh, <laughs> my um, my son, Harry, is also a point of contact, so he's in charge of the sales of yeah. RB17. We will make friends, that's um, fine. Yep. So, <laughs> so hopefully he knows a reasonable amount about it, otherwise I'll give him a slap. Um, uh so that that bit's that bit's easy. Yeah. Um, I'm, I assume at the end of this there'll be some little bit on the podcast that says you should approach, but I'm afraid I don't know the answer. <laughs> I'm not onto the details on that one. But in terms of the kind of what happens from there, um, we're keen that customers are are very involved in in the process. Right. So you know, we if at all possible want to welcome them to the factory, show them what we're doing, show them around the design offices, show the the research that's going on, um, look at the rigs that are starting to test, go on the simulator, have a look at the full-scale mock-up, um, et cetera, et cetera. So really take them through the journey of where we are today and then obviously involve them in in the next 24 months of, of going from... Um, now starting to release parts into the development process, seeing the engine running on the dyno. Um, yeah. That will be in the summer. I think the the customer journey is kind of the end game there is is go on the simulators and then perhaps go in the in the um, prototype in the passenger seat initially. Just yes, to start just to with. feel so, the power of it yeah, first. Exactly. Of all. Um, you know, like Austrian Grand Prix or. Be a, or will be a, a good unveiling if we can achieve that target. That's what we're shooting for in 2025 in terms of track on track. Yeah. Um, and then really looking at the customer program. So we Red Bull will then host various um, events. Uh, some of them as simple as coming to the Formula One races as, as mm-hmm. our guests, but others more focused on obviously enjoying the car. So getting groups of cars together to have track days, two, three days on track at a, a venue, one of the Grand Prix tracks typically. Yeah. Um, but try to make it also for partners. So very much sort of almost if you're going on a golfing holiday with your with your other half, yeah. it, it's that idea. So there'll be lots to do. Um, 
lots of activities. Really try to make it involving. I think, um, you know, with one or both drivers having a car, then I assume they will also be coming. I mean, yeah. I mean, it it seems like you're, you're not just kind of, you're not just buying a car. You're kind of making your way into being part of the Red Bull family that's, in a way. That's really the point. Yeah. yeah we we want to, you know, to to make you feel involved. And you will be involved because we're very receptive or we want to be very receptive to feedback to what people want. Um, so the way to achieve that is is for people to be involved in it. Mm. Well, when you're talking about circuits, is there any particular circuit that comes to mind that would be a perfect fit for the RB70? Oh, crikey. I think, I think um, well, the, first of all, the car is very much designed to be enjoyable at a wide range of circuits. That's yeah. part of the remit. But I mean, I guess Silverstone would be an obvious one, you know, a mixture of low and high speed corners, longish, medium, long speed straights. So like if you if you were to take it to a track, if which track are you taking track, it to? Then Silverstone, Spa, of course, always a driver's favourite. Yeah. All the elevation changes, um, such a classic. Uh, Suzuka, if you're going to go further afield, oh, but yeah. quite intimidating. I've not driven it around Suzuka, but it, it, whenever we go, it's always the one which you think, wow. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you should do that the first time in a very powerful not. car line. Probably not, no. <laughs> no. Is there a reason why it's called the RB17? Because obviously on when it comes to F1, we've gone through... We sort of skipped the RB17, so mm. now that name was then taken by the hypercar. But what actually yeah. caused that? Uh, what caused it was COVID, effectively. So um, the RB16 was the car we raced in 2020. Yeah. That was then going to be replaced by RB17 for the 2021 se- season. But with COVID getting in the way, the regulations changed and we had to race the 2020 car in modified form for 21. So RB17 was, as a Formula 1 car, was never ever built because then when we did the 22 car, that was christened RB18. Yeah. So 17 was always a missing number. And also in terms of when I started, did the first sketch or drawing, and then when the guys in advanced technology took that and started doing their work, chronologically, it fitted perfectly. So it just seemed logical it felt right to fill in that gap so you've mentioned uh red bull advanced technologies quite a few times because this has kind of been a a work in progress between you and what what they're known as rbats yeah so how much of a connection were you how hard did you have to work together to create this or did you say i've got this idea and this design go do it no it doesn't work like that so it's very much an interactive process so I did that first layout drawing, which was a, a kind of a packaging and, and aerodynamic shape proposal, if you like. Um, fundamentals like wheelbase and so forth. Uh, and some of the targets that we wanted to achieve, um, or I suggested that we try to achieve, better put. And then from that, we break it down into the into the groups and any... Our bat is arranged in exactly the same way as any Formula One team is arranged, where you have three principal departments, which is aerodynamics, mechanical design, and vehicle dynamics. Right. So we have that within our bat. Um, we have weekly meetings to make sure that everybody's on the same page and yeah. fully informed on on what the others are doing. Um, and and we develop it from there. So 
you know, if I take CFD, um, then from that first sketch to where we are today, which is still not finished, then I don't know how many runs and iterations we've done, but it, without exaggeration, we must be in the thousands in terms of all, all the individual parts and so forth. Because, you know, you have to go into a huge amount of detail in terms of all of the components, the front wing, how that interacts with the floor and the top body, the brake ducts, the cooling, you know, it's, the, the complication of a car at this level yeah. is quite high. A tweak over here means a tweak over there yeah, exactly. to make that very, tweak work. Correct. So yeah. everything is very interactive. You, you change something at the front, then it can completely change the flow field and something at the back then doesn't work correctly. So, yeah. so there's been a lot of work on CF, in CFD in trying to make the short the aerodynamic characteristics are very benign, that it won't suddenly do something unexpected, which is obviously part of them making it a car that's not, you know, is forgiving when driven hard. Um, mechanical design, hitting that um, sub 900 kilo uh Weight target is yeah, that's tricky. It is, and it's involved a huge amount of weight optimi of optimization, and stress analysis, and detail design to to get the weight down. Um, vehicle dynamics, obviously, when you, those sorts of aero loads and, and and engine power, then there's a lot to handle. So we've we've um, entered into a partnership with Michelin to develop special tires for the car, yes. which is a absolutely vital. It's an expensive thing to do because developing cars for such a, a limited series car, but we felt it was absolutely essential. Yeah. Um, and Michelin are great partners on this. Uh, then all the vehicle dynamics of working out the active suspension, the, the, the settings behind that, developing the simulator models, um, testing them, adapting them, changing them. You know, it's, 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 it's quite a big project. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's huge. It's, in some ways, because we've got more variables, we've got more toys available. Yeah. It's actually, you could argue, it's more complicated than the Formula One car. Yeah. It sounds it. Mm. Because it seems like, I, I guess you must have had phases where you feel like you were getting so close and then you wanted to make a couple of extra tweaks and then you end up taking another six steps back. Well, yes, yeah, so that is, it's a normal process in in design and development that you do exactly that, that you you make some progress, you hit a bit of a wall because something's thrown up a problem so you then step back and you kind of regroup and then you move forwards again um we, we're used to that yeah yeah it's part part of the knocks ups and downs of the development process yeah fair enough yeah. has there has there been any things that that you wanted to add to it that the Arbats team have said no or have no, you managed I mean, to get the, the your Albat way? The Albat team are incredibly tolerant of me. <laughs> I, I want this. Uh, used to me coming in and saying, I've had this idea and how about this? And um, after a few groans and shrugs, we, we get on with it. And, you know, that we've we've known it's an established team now. We we all came together initially for the um, what became the Valkyrie back in sort of 214. So... We've we've been working together for ten years. We know each other well. We I have a tremendous amount of respect for them, and hopefully they have some respect for me. Yeah. So we know how to kind of get the most most out of each other. And and you know, if, like we we had our weekly meeting yesterday afternoon. Um, there was one thing I wasn't on the face of it particularly happy about. The guys presented 
the details of why they thought it was better in. They're absolutely right. So that's what we'll go with. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, actually, the last time we had you here on on Talking Ball, you brought in your very legendary red notebook. By the way, if you are listening or, or watching wherever you are, you can go back and watch or listen to that back because it's such an interesting episode. Did you prep the hypercar in the same red notebook or did you find like a separate blue one or something <laughs> for this special project? I probably should have done that, shouldn't I? <laughs> um, no, in truth, the red notebook is, is it's a cover, if I'm brutally honest. Okay. In as much as I tend to, uh, some time ago, I used, well, I used to get always whatever notebook I had at the time, I'd scribble away in it. And then I find that because everything was written down so randomly, I don't, I'm afraid I'm not very good at working in a linear way. <laughs> then, um, then I'd be able, never be able to find it. So I've gone to actually just having scraps of A4, loose A4, inside the notebook. Okay. And so whichever bit I'm thinking about at the time, in terms of the category, if you like, including whether it's Formula One or RB7 years, within the notebook there are different facets. But you also seem like the the king of multitasking because. While you've been creating this, you also did the RB18, the RB19, and now putting together the RB20. You've been multitasking like a bit of a legend. Is that just something that you're very good at? It's something I enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> My wife thought I agree with me being good at multitasking. <laughs> but um, uh, 21 was certainly a, a very busy year because... Uh, which was completely self-inflicted. I, I don't know why I did it. You totally brought this on yourself. I yeah. totally brought <laughs> it on myself because we started the 17 research. We got into a very tight championship battle with Mercedes yeah. through the 21 season. So there's a big development program and a big push on trying to win that championship. And then, of course, we had the fundamental res- research on a totally new set of rules in Formula 1 for 2022, which yeah. became the RB18. So it was, it was a very busy year. There's a lot of long hours that that year. Yeah. But you know, it's, I enjoy the variety, and I think that's perhaps what's important to me. I've been fortunate enough to have a, a long career in Formula One now, and I think what helps to stop me going stale is having being able to apply my mind to other things as well. Well, that's what I was wondering, because this is a a passion project. So you must just have moments where you just get a craving to do something a little bit different. And this was exactly that thing. You've been designing these incredible F1 cars, but at the same time, you're like, just I fancy doing a little two-seater, fancy something, just going to sit here and sketch it. Indeed, indeed. I think it's it's just a way of letting the... It's a bit of a bit of an old adage, isn't it? But letting the, the creative juices flow and, and, and kind of keeping mind active and agile and, and, and avoiding getting stale. And if I can do that, then that helps me not only on 17, but indirectly in terms of agility and, and, and freshness, then coming back to to um, Formula One. I, th- I think I can speak on behalf of everyone here at Red Bull and everyone that's a fan of yours when I say that you are an incredibly humble man <laughs> <laughs> and you you have every right to be so proud of what you've achieved, especially in F1. But when it comes to this car, there must be something inside of you that's just incredibly 
booming with pride about what you've created and what you've made and what you've designed. Well, you say me, but I mean, it is a group and I will keep emphasising that. But, but yes, <laughs> that was the, yeah. I was trying to make you <laughs> yeah. just have a moment. <laughs> but, but yes, of course, there is. There is. I mean, I think um, it, it's interesting. So uh, with Aston Martin and the Valkyrie, then um, that was obviously a, a, an incredibly interesting project. And, and, and in a different way, have many parallels to what we're now doing. Although with the partner, it was a slightly different, or it was a different dynamic. Um, and I've been fortunate enough now to have been involved in watching many race cars that I've been involved, centrally involved in rumble off down the pit lane for the first time. Yeah. Um, but actually, uh, as part of our contract with Red Bull, sorry, with Aston Martin, then um, Red Bull has five cut. Five Valkyries, of which um, I received and drove my one on Boxing Day. Very nice. Um, that's a good is, Boxing Day. Yeah, it was my birthday as well. So oh, well, that's a great birthday. So a great birthday. So <laughs> went and scared all the kids and the family in it, but um, <laughs> and myself. Um, but actually, it is very different driving something um, on the as kind of with a passenger yeah. beside you. Um, that first time compared to when I've driven Formula One cars at circuits, which I have now and again, or up the hill at Goodwood or whatever. There you're sitting on your own and it's a bit more insular. Yeah. Whereas with somebody sitting alongside you, you can, you've got the intercom. In a car that you've designed. And you can, yeah, exactly. There's a a real sense of joy and... and, um, I don't know how to put it. It was just very exciting to do that and to be able to share it with with my family. Yeah, I can picture you just having a smile on your face just the whole entire very time. Much so. And very that's much exactly so. what's going to happen as soon as you hit the track in the RB17, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, if you need a passenger, um, I will definitely I make will. sure I'm free that day. Definitely. We well, could do it as a bonus absolutely. talking ball episode. I'm just going to say that out loud so everyone's we got that on camera that he said it's fine. Good, yeah. lovely. Excellent. We'll have a face camera on you. Yes. <laughs> Look, we can't we can't go through this whole entire conversation without bringing up the RB20. Mm-hmm. Because while you've been working on the RB17, you've also been working on the RB20, which yep. is ready to be launched very soon. How are you feeling about that? Trepidation as always. Yeah. Um, so RB18, the, the, the first car to the new regulations, um, I think we managed to get the fundamentals right in terms of how we approach the design the research process. Um, the architecture of the car in terms of its layout and so forth. Um, we managed to come out with a decent car that we then developed through 22. Yeah. Um, and obviously we had a very strong second half of the season in 22. 23, so now the second season of those new regulations, we completely expected the grid to close up. So last year, took all of us, me most of all, by complete surprise. Really? Really didn't expect the domination that we had. Um, this year, then, from what I understand, a lot of people, a lot of our rivals have kind of taken a mm. good look this time. Of course and, they have. Uh, and have probably come, I suspect there'll be quite a few cars that look very similar to our mm. car. Because they so, were getting close towards the end they, of last uh, season. That's the thing. The, but not the, close enough. No, but the, the grid was tight. Yeah. And the races were getting tighter. Mm. Um, um, Austin, we we um, 
we were going to lose that. So we took a gamble and pulled Max in to do an extra stop and Max did the rest. Vegas, to be perfectly honest, probably Charles in the Ferrari was was the quicker driver. Max made the difference there for sure. Um, so by the end of the season, although we managed to win everything bar Singapore, it everybody is snapping at our heels. So yeah. it doesn't take much of a swing over the winter now. So it's we pressure. are there's a lot of pressure. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's that's that's the pressure of being champions. You have to try and stay yeah. there. So uh, and our, our car will be so it's very much a, a third evolution of the twenty two right. car. So last year's car was an evolution of the of the twenty two in its main ca- points being um of course the normal winter development in terms of aerodynamics, uh some understanding on what we need to do with suspension to try to improve the car as well and getting weight out of it because we never got down to the weight limit in 22. Right. Um, this year's car is the third evolution of that original 18. Now, what we don't know, of course, is a third evolution too conservative or others have done something different. Yeah. You just don't know. It's a total gamble, isn't it? And then you've just got to hope that when it comes to testing and things like that, that you'll have a nice little look at everyone else's cars and see Always. that you've done everything right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I guess in the case of in case of like the the last few seasons, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Well, it's a difficult one. You know, there is that it's that kind of should we have a group that goes out and looks at completely left field ideas or do we keep developing the route we've taken um we're resource limited so we can't do everything we can't look at every avenue mm. so we've taken the approach of developing what we've got okay hopefully that will be the prudent and correct decision to seeing it. i don't know what i'm looking forward to more see seeing the hypercar <laughs> or seeing the rv20 if it's both if i'm yeah, honest good and also now that you've definitely promised that i'm going to get a passenger ride in the rv17 that makes it a little bit more special absolutely <laughs> adrian thank you so much for joining pleasure. me it's been a pleasure chatting no, to you. absolutely loved it thank, thank you very you. much thank you and talking ball will be back very soon